Well, I think actually the famous person that is uh, in our midst today uh, that we can celebrate today is Margaret Renfro. I don't know if you saw her come in. For those of you who uh, don't know Margaret's story, (laughs) Margaret's story is uh, a while back here, and she was making plans to go with us to Paraguay. That uh, that song kind of illustrates what went on in her life. Sometimes things that we don't understand, we can look with eyes of faith and still trust. And Margaret's back. She had a, I think the doctor said a severe cerebral hemorrhage. Is that kind of the way it was described? And uh, in your brain, those are not good words to have in combination. But uh, as a testimony to God's grace, uh, Margaret is back with us today. She was uh, going to go with us to Paraguay, but uh, God had a different plan. And uh, we're delighted to have you back. So we're going to, I'm going to consider that you're the famous one today that God has uh, in our midst today. So we're delighted to have you back with us. Uh, well, como estas? <laughs> Good. <laughs> so um, I learned a few words down in Paraguay. It's uh, a few little phrases. It's just enough to get myself in trouble. I learned that I am not the jefe. You know what a jefe is? A jefe is the boss. I was the, at the bottom of the grunt labor. Um, I couldn't even, I was uh, there one day spreading dirt. I couldn't even spread dirt right. Um, I, the jefe took my rake and did it the right way. So we're delighted to be back. And as I just say that on behalf of uh, the second group that came back, I know some of you came back last week. But today, this morning in Paraguay, probably right now as we're worshiping, there's a church that will hold three or 400 people. Uh, hopefully that's full this morning. It was full when we dedicated it. And hopefully if it's not full over the course of the next few years, it'll be full. Uh, but God will, able, will be able to be glorified and the, and the message of the gospel will be able to be proclaimed. So thank you, uh, not just for those of you who went, but for those of you who prayed, those of you who gave, those of you who made it possible for us in another part of our world uh, to make a difference. We've been talking about in this series of messages on living in the zone, and I'm thankful that I'm a part of the church that gets what it means to live in the zone, what it means to be blessed, and in turn, to be a blessing uh, in our world. Uh, this morning, we're going we're gonna to wrap up this series of messages, and starting with next week and the next then few weeks, what we're going to do, and I would encourage you to mark it on your calendar, and please, if First Church is your home, please be here over the next uh, four weeks or so, because we're going to talk about who we are and where we're going as a church, and I'm really excited about sharing with you uh, about our vision, our direction for the future. So please uh, mark it on your calendar, and let's uh, be faithful over the next few weeks. This morning, we kind of wrap up, though, and let me just share this passage of Scripture uh, from 1 Timothy 6.10 that just is a framework for us, a jumping off place as we begin this morning. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, notice that that passage does not say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, I'm not a great country music fan, but Shania Twain sings a song, and I want to just share with you words that, again, I think help us to see where we are as a culture. 
The song is called Kaching, and let me just share some of the words from this song that describes our culture. We live in a greedy little world that teaches every little boy and girl to earn as much as they can possibly, then turn around and spend it foolishly. We've created a credit card mess. We spend the money we don't possess. Our religion is to go and blow it all, so it's shopping every Sunday at the mall. All we ever want is more, a lot more than we had before. So take me to the nearest store. Can you hear it ring? It makes you want to sing. You'll live like a king with lots of money and things. Ka-ching, ka-ching. It's a picture of our culture. In stark contrast to, as you get back from a place like Paraguay, or like Chris and Candy Spitter's, on staff here at First Church who came back from Uganda. And as they talk about what is going on in that country, we come back to the States and we can see that we struggle as a people, as a culture, with this idea that it's about having and getting and spending and all those things. One definition for materialism, which is our subject for today, our last time we talked in this series Materialism is the desire for wealth and material possessions with little interest in the ethical or spiritual matters. It's a preoccupation with things. It's been said that materialism begins where our income ends. Think about it this way. Materialism is not a tangible commodity. I can't say to you that, you know, if you cross this line, then you've become materialistic. There's no necessarily some ceiling. There's, there's not something you can put your finger on. I can't say that if you buy this or that thing, or if you want this or that thing, that when you get to that point and you cross that line, that it becomes materialism. There's no way to define it that way. Materialism, a better way to look at it this morning for our benefit Materialism is an internal attitude of the heart. Think about it this way. Let's say I earn $30,000 a year as my income. And I look at somebody that might earn 60000 I can look at their life and I look at how they spend and, and what they do with their income and, and I, I see that and I say, well, you know what? They're materialistic. And I look at people like myself that are in that $30,000 bracket and I think that, you know, I'm not, nor are people like me. And the, at the same time, that person that earns the $60,000 a year looks at the person spending $150,000 or earning $150,000. They look at their lifestyle and their home and their car and their stuff. And I might say, well, that person's materialistic. And then I look at people that are around my same scale, I, the $60,000 a year folks, and I look at all of them and I think, well, but I'm not, nor are we. And then the person, and it goes and it goes and it goes. The person earning the 150000 looks at the person earning a million and says, well, you know what, I'm not materialistic, but that person, because of what they drive and where they live and what they spend and on and on and on. So again, there's no ceiling. It's an internal attitude of the heart. So this morning, what we don't want to do is to sit here and think about, yeah, it's about them. No, God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me today, and he wants to talk to us as individuals about what it looks like in our lives. Again, materialism is not a tangible commodity. It's a condition of the heart. 
And we don't want to look at anybody else today but ourselves. Can we do that? Father, I pray that today you would help us to look at ourselves, not to point a finger at anyone else, but to very simply look at ourselves. Speak to us, God, through the pages of your word, through your son. Speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And when I was a kid, I loved watching wrestling. Now, wrestling was, or they say in Southern Illinois, wrestling. Um, and wrestling was different back in the mid-70s, early 80s. When I watched wrestling, it was, it was uh, Andre the Giant. It was, it was Jake the Snake Roberts. It was Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. It was Randy Savage. Remember Randy Savage? He said talk like that. Um, kind of hurt your throat. I don't know how you did that all the time. Um, <laughs> but wrestling was different. And there was this one hold. It was a submission hold. You would get up behind someone and you would do what was called the sleeper hold. And my friends and my cousins, we would always try the sleeper hold on each other. We tried it. And, 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 and I only found out later that all that was fake. <laughs> but we try the sleeper hold. We try to knock each other out, you know, and try to squeeze each other until one of us passed out. We never got to that point, although I tried on my cousins. Um, and this morning, what we want to pray that God helps us to do is to break the sleeper hold of materialism, the sleeper hold that keeps us from able to really see what God's best is for us. This morning, as we look at this subject, I want to go back and review just one more time very quickly what we've talked about. And this, there's a graphic that we've kind of used, and this is the zone. And so what we've been talking about, the zone is different than the area around it. That's what a zone is. God wants us to live inside the zone. And it is where, a place where God the blessor, this word we made up, God the blessor can bless us. And when we're living in the zone, God wants to pour blessings on us, and that's, we, we receive from him, and then we have the privilege, the opportunity to then reflect those blessings out onto other people. And so, I am blessed, and then in turn, I become a blessing. Now, also there, we talked about there is this pull, there is this siren call that drags us away from the zone, out of the zone, and materialism is one of those things that drags us out of the zone into the land of ing. In the land of ing, life is all about owning and spending and buying and having and housing and clothing. It's all about bling, bling. Materialism pulls us into the land of ing, out of the zone. And so this morning, how can we, how can we not, how can we, how can we understand what some of the off-ramps are that get us out of the zone? How can we understand what they are so that we can, in turn, take some bridges back to the zone so we can stay in the zone? What are, what are some of those off-ramps that take us out of the zone? Where God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to our world, to our community, to people around us, and to our God. Well, one of those off-ramps, and I, I thought back uh, last year, I was in a meeting, and it's the meeting where I first met uh, Pastor Bob Moss, a meeting of pastors of some of the larger churches in the Church of God movement, and had a chance to get to know Bob through those meetings, and last year, the meeting was in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas, have you ever driven in Houston, Texas? Houston, Texas is the fourth largest city in the United States, population-wise. This is a picture of traffic in Houston. 
sometimes five, six, seven, eight lanes of traffic merging together. It's this snarl of on-ramps and off-ramps. And when you come back to, uh, to St. Joe, it's like going back to Mayberry uh, from, <laughs> from being in this this place. And so I was driving from the airport to uh, downtown where this meeting was in this hotel downtown. And I'm driving and I take this off ramp. I'm reading, uh, looking at the map and whatever. And, and I'm driving and driving and driving and driving. And I notice that all the big buildings are in my rearview mirror. And then it occurs to me, I've taken the wrong off ramp because I should be going towards the big buildings. And so I had to turn around and and go back. This morning, there are some things that take us out of the zone, some off-ramps that take us out. The first off-ramp I want to share with you this morning, we want to talk, us to talk about, is the off-ramp of pride. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 through 12, Scripture says this, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God was warning them as he was leading them into this promised land. Now there's this land that I'm gonna give you and I'm gonna, it's gonna come fully furnished. And it's going to have houses, and it's going to have cities, and it's going to have vineyards, it's going to have fields, it's going to have all the stuff, so all you're going to be there. But you need to be careful that when you go there and you take possession of all that I'm going to give you, that you don't later think back and think, oh, wow, as you look around and think, look at all that I've been able to accomplish. God warned them not to do that. We see later in Israel's history that they did exactly what God had warned them about. They got to a point where they looked around at everything that they had and they thought to themselves, look at what we have acquired. They had moved from being a lover of God to being a lover of their possessions. Their pride had gotten in the way. And so pride is an off-ramp out of the zone. Pride, when we look at what we have and we look at what is ours or our accomplishments or, or our abilities or our skills, we look at it and we think, wow, look at what I have done. Look at what I have been able to accomplish. Look at the skill that I have. Pride keeps us out of the zone. Satan loves for us to take the off-ramp of pride. When I... I'm on this off-ramp of pride. I want people to think that I spent more than I did. Someone comments on maybe a shirt that you're wearing. and When you're on that off-ramp of pride, you might stick your chest out and say, oh, yes, well, it's Prada. The off-ramp of pride. Look what I have. Look what I've accomplished. Matthew 6, 24 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus knew the power of money. He said, do not let it be your master. You need to use it and not let it use you. Money, Jesus knew, was a test. A little phrase that hopefully will help us. If I love money, it will lead me. But if I lead money, it will serve me. It will serve my God. It will help me to, as I am blessed by it, to be a blessing to others. 
and I lead my money when I'm living in the zone because I understand that I'm not the owner, I'm the manager. I understand everything I have, my skills, my abilities, every dollar I own, everything that is quote-unquote mine, it's not really mine, it's God's, I'm the manager of it. And when I understand that, then at the end of the day, I'm able to very loosely hold these things. And as God prompts me and pushes me and tells me, then I understand and I'm able to let go of things so that I can be a blessing to others. And then God, the cycle continues, he blesses us. Because blessing is not just about stuff. Blessing is the tangible and intangible favor of God. And so, if I make money serve me, then ultimately... I have mastered it so that I can in turn serve God and use it to serve God. So another off-ramp, not just the off-ramp of pride. Another off-ramp is the off-ramp of guilt. Satan would love for us to feel guilty about what God has blessed us with. Make us feel bad about the blessings that we have been given. And on the off-ramp of pride, we want people to think that we spent more than we did. But we're on the off-ramp of guilt it takes us out of the zone in the same way. When I'm in the off-ramp of guilt, I want people to think that I spent less than I did or I'm not as good as they think that I am. For instance, someone says, oh, I like your shirt. Again, going back to that illustration, we think, well, you know, I, I got this at Old Navy. It was on clearance, you know. It's. Someone comes up to us and God has used us in some significant way and blessed and done something tremendous through us and someone comes up and says, man, that is awesome what what you did or, or whatever, and we, oh, well, yeah, oh, I didn't. instead of celebrating how God used you, guilt can move you out of the zone, can limit you from being the blessing that God wants you to be. At times as Christians, we walk around embarrassed by what God has blessed us with. Several years ago, when I had first become senior pastor in, in Middletown, there was a guy that called me up. I was 29 years old. I was driving this car that I had since college and uh, the tailpipe was about to fall off and had the original clutch in, the, in it and it just, it was just, you know, had issues. <laughs> and uh, I remember this guy, I think he just felt sorry for me or maybe he's embarrassed for me. I don't know wh- which, but he called me up and said, David, I got this car that I want to give you and, and uh, if you want it. And he get, told me the name of it and I didn't recognize that. Uh, he ran in a little different circle than I was used to running in. Um, and so he said, well, I'll meet you. If you'll drive down to Burger King parking lot, uh, you can check the car out. If you want it, you can take it. If not, that's okay. I'll, I'll do something else with it. I'll just sell it. Um, so I go to Burger King parking lot and I drive up. And as I drive into the Burger King parking lot, there's this car, this white Cadillac Eldorado. And I sit in the passenger seat, he's in the driver's seat, and I sit down and he says, uh, you know, you might not want this. It's five or six years old and it's got several miles on it. I mean, it looked like it looked like it just it just been driven out of the showroom. He had taken such good care of it. And he says, you know, you might not want this. And I look over at this heap of a car that was mine. And I'm, you know, I'm trying not to be too excited, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess... You know, to help you out a little, I could take it off your hands, you know, that kind of thing. But it, seriously, I remember going home and being very excited about how God had blessed me. But I also f- remember feeling intense guilt that I was driving this car. I remember 
for a long time that I parked that car on the back of the church. Seriously, because I didn't want people to know that I had that car. And when I would drive it, I would, I would park it in and I would walk long distances to get into places so that people didn't see me in it because I felt guilty for having it. And I don't know how many times I missed the opportunity to share how God had given me that car. I hadn't got that car. It was nothing that I had done. God had given it to me. And how many times did I miss being a blessing? Because I was ashamed and felt guilty. Guilt takes us out of the zone just like pride does. And so if you've been blessed by God, you don't need to feel guilty about the blessings that God has given you. There's a story in John 12 where this woman comes and, and she wants to anoint Jesus' feet with this very expensive perfume, that, that this alabaster jar, and she breaks it open. She's anointing his feet, and there's this Judas character in the room. And he starts talking about, well, we should have given that money to the poor. Who does she think she is? And she, he tries to play the guilt card on her. When she was trying to be a blessing, there's that guilt card. Guilt takes us out of the zone. Another off-ramp from the zone is the off-ramp of greed. Greed has been defined as an excessive desire to acquire or possess more than one needs or deserves, especially with respect to material wealth. In Luke 12, Jesus warns us to watch out, to be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He goes on to tell the story of this rich man who had a bunch of crops that he'd been blessed with. And so instead of looking at his life as, I've been blessed, so then I can have a chance to be a blessing. And instead of that, he just thinks about himself and he thinks, well, now I can tear down these barns and build bigger barns and bigger barns. And so that is his vision of just having more and more and more. It's about greed. Life is about himself. And the end of the story is Jesus saying, that man is a fool. This night, his life will be required of him. Greed destroyed his life. Greed is an off-ramp out of the zone. Greed is life all about getting more. Greed fuels materialism. I'm a big Star Wars fan. George Lucas, who, um, you know, of course, had a lot to do with Star Wars, that Star Wars, uh, that, uh, those movies, six movies. In talking about Attack of the Clones, Star Wars creator George Lucas described how young Anakin Skywalker made the transition from the young, innocent boy of such promise to then becoming the evil Darth Vader in those movies. How that transition happened. This is what George Lucas says. He turns into Darth Vader because he gets attached to things. He can't let go of his mother. He can't let go of his girlfriend. He can't let go of things. It makes you greedy, George Lucas says. And when you're greedy, you're on the path to the dark side because you fear you're going to lose things, that you're not going to have the power that you need. Greed is an off-ramp out of the zone. The final off-ramp out of the zone is the off-ramp of envy. Envy is a feeling of resentment or jealousy towards another person because of the possessions or the blessings that they have been given or the good qualities that they have. Matthew 27 verse 18 cites envy as the reason that the conspirators killed Jesus. 
because they were envious of him. Envy is the cousin to jealousy. In fact, depending on the translator, those words are interchanged in Scripture. There's a passage in Galatians 5 where it lists the, the acts of the sinful nature. And notice in the middle of these terrible acts of the sinful nature, notice what also appears. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Fits of rage, selfishness, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. Notice both of them are listed in there, and he goes on to say in the next part of that passage that people will not inherit the kingdom who live like this. Envy, jealousy, those things are off-ramps out of the zone. In 1 Peter 2, 1, it says, Therefore, rid yourself of all kinds of malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy. Slander of every kind. It is envy that takes us out of the zone. It is envy that causes us to make judgment calls about people. We can sound so holy when we're envious. We can make it sound so righteous. It was what Judas did to Mary as she's anointing Jesus' feet. Well, we should have taken that money and given it to the poor. He was envious of what she was doing. It's like when we're driving down the road and we see this big, huge house that's being built and we say, well, you know what? If it was me, if I had their money, I'd be, I'd be helping other people. I'd be blessing people. I'd be giving that to the church. I'd be giving it to the poor. We look at someone, what they wear, or what they drive or whatever, and we're envious of that. And so we say, well, if I had that, I'd, I'd use it differently. It's spiritualizing the words of Judas and making it sound holy. But in reality, it's envy. And envy, as a root, takes us out of the zone. So we think then about all these things, envy and pride and jealousy, all these things that take us, and even, even when I, uh, that uh, uh, guilt, all those things that take us out of the zone. The end of that story back in Houston was that I couldn't just keep driving and think that I was going to finally get to my destination. I had to turn around. I had to take a bridge an on-ramp back to the zone. And so in our concluding few minutes, just let me share with you a couple of things that would be bridges back to the zone. The first bridge is the bridge of contentment that helps us to live in the zone. Paul, writing to us in Philippians 4, this classic passage, says, I have, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things, everything, through him who gives me strength. We must learn as Peter to live in the zone. We need to take the bridge of contentment. Regardless of the circumstances, that I can, whether it's I have a lot or I have little, that I can be content. Contentment keeps us from having to keep up with the Joneses. Again, let me quote another country music song. You're going to think I love country music. You really don't. But Waylon Jennings, the classic country music uh, aficionado, said this in the song. He's talking about going to back to Lukenbach, Texas with Waylon and Willie and the boys. Why does he want to go back to Lukenbach, Texas? Because he's lost that, that uh, loving feeling from that special significant other person. He's, he says, he talks about he wants to go back there because he's trying to keep up with the Joneses because he's got a four-car garage and he's still adding on and he's not content and so he wants to go back. 
Contentment is a bridge that takes us back to the zone. Here's a little advice how to put it into action. And it is that we can admire without the need to acquire. So God blesses someone. God blesses someone with a new boat or the new jet ski. And I can, I can celebrate that God has blessed them or the new house. Whatever God has blessed them with, I can celebrate that, but I don't need to keep up. I don't have to acquire that. I can admire it, but I don't have to acquire it. It's the attitude that I'm glad that you have it, and I'm glad that I don't have to have it. Contentment, this guy that I struggle with pronouncing his name from the first century, uh, second century, he says this, contentment comes not so much from great wealth as from few wants. And when we're not content, we buy stuff that we don't have the money for. And that's why the average in 2007, American has 80, almost $8,500 worth of credit card debt. Because we, when we're not content, we buy things that we can't afford. The next bridge back to the zone is the bridge of gratitude. Gratitude, according to the dictionary, is being grateful or thankful. It's living with a yay God attitude in my life. It's living not focusing on what I don't have but focusing on what I do have. It's being able to live Romans 12, 15 out in my life, to be able to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Gratitude allows me to be able to be grateful what I have, to be, to be able to celebrate with other people, to be able to rejoice with other people when God blesses them. And remember the off-ramps are greed and envy and jealousy, those things. But I'm able to, to have gratitude and I'm able to be a blessing when someone else is blessed. The natural tendency for us, though, when someone else is blessed is to struggle with that pull of envy and greed. But I need to make the choice to take that bridge back to the zone, that bridge of, that bridge of gratitude for what I've been blessed with. And I would just encourage you to hang out with people that get this passage. And if you are the person that, that is going through life and you are always raining on everybody's parade... Take this scripture and memorize it. If somebody comes and celebrates and something great's happened to them and you're, yeah, doing the yow butt thing with them all the time, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Understand gratitude. Living in the zone is living a life of gratitude. I've been blessed. You've been blessed. We can be thankful what I have. I can be thankful what I don't have. And then the last bridge is the bridge of generosity. The secret of generosity. Remembering, when we think about living in the zone, living in the zone is I've been blessed and I in turn am a blessing. And so I receive blessings from God, the tangible and intangible favor of God. I receive those things. And when I understand this bridge of generosity, I understand I receive and I have the opportunity to reflect the character of God. God's character is a generous character. And when I'm living in the zone, I am reflecting the character of God through my life. I've been blessed, and I in turn want to be a blessing. I understand generosity. Generosity is the action of blessing others. Let me define it for you this way. It's the attitude, listen carefully, it's the attitude that I get to give. You might write that down. You can think about it later. It's the attitude that I get to give instead of the attitude, very different from the attitude of getting to get. 
for some. Materialism could be summarized probably in having, living our lives in such a way that getting is the end, is the end. It's the bumper sticker that he who dies with the most toys wins, that that's what life's about. It's getting to get instead of I get to give. Another way to say it is I get to give. There's no blessing like giving. It was a lot of fun being able to go down to Paraguay and to give on your behalf. To build that building on your behalf, on our God's behalf. To bless them. To give to them. A lot of joy. You get a lot of joy from giving. 2 Corinthians verse 8, chapter 8, verse 7. We talked about this before, talked about the privilege of giving, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. It's a story of these guys that, that, that were in extreme poverty, but they were an example to other believers. They were giving out of their poverty. They saw it as a privilege. They understood generosity. And we as children of God have been blessed by God, and so we in turn have the privilege to excel in the grace of giving. Generosity is the bridge back to the zone. Edwin McManus, I was reading a book on the way back from Paraguay on the plane. He said this that relates to this subject. Because some of us are here and we, we struggle. He said this, when we embrace prosperity as a gift of God entrusted to us, for the good of many. We're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not born out of greed, but born out of the very heart of God. And so I would say to those of you, and it's not everybody, but there are those of you that have been blessed in significant ways. And I know that you've struggled like I did with that car that I had. You've struggled with what you've been blessed with. And at times you felt guilty about it. Edwin McManus says, and I love the way he put it, when we embrace prosperity as a gift that God has entrusted to us for the good of many, go out and continue to be prosperous and continue to, to be blessed, but get the understanding that you have been, you have been given that privilege, that honor, that, that gift so that you can be a blessing to many. Surefire way to put materialism in its place is to give to someone else. Let me conclude with this final quote from Joseph Stowell who says, the real point of materialism is not how much we have, but what has us. It's not what we hold, but how tightly we hold it. Not what we have, but how we got it. The test of materialism is whether our goods have made us proud or grateful, self-sufficient or God-sufficient. Materialism is not something that we can define. There is no ceiling. There is no line that we cross and then we become materialistic. It's something that's going on inside of us. And it happens in all levels. It happens in Paraguay. It happens on the Gold Coast of Australia. It happens in St. Joe, Michigan. It is not tangible. It's a condition of the heart. Don't let pride or guilt or greed or envy take you out of the zone, but let contentment and gratitude and generosity keep you in the zone so that you can live your life as Abraham, blessed 
so that you can be a blessing. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. and We're going to end this morning giving you the privilege of putting into practice what we've talked about over the last few weeks. We're going to end with a, the opportunity to give. We challenged everyone that considers First Church their church home several weeks ago to on this particular Sunday to be a Sunday where we celebrated the first fruits of what God has blessed us with. In other words, we ask for you to think about what you typically earn in a week and whether you're self-employed or whether you have a salary that you know that, but to try to figure that out. And so what you make in one week that you would tithe, you would give a tenth of that. As Malachi tells us that as we bring the tithe into the storehouse, that he wants to bless us, that we can in turn continue to be a blessing. He wants to pour out blessings that we can't even begin to comprehend. And so that's our prayer today, that as we together give back to our God, that we will be reminded of the blessings that we've been given so that we can in turn be a blessing. And let me just say to you how excited I am to be a part of a church that gets this concept. And so this morning, if maybe you're, you're, maybe you're not a part of First Church, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you come from another church or whatever, you're just here checking it out. Don't, certainly don't. I'm not saying for you to participate today. What I would encourage you to do today is to celebrate as you listen, as we worship. Celebrate what God has blessed you with. And just take this time to be, have a heart of gratitude as we worship. And may that be all of our response as we give out of the gratitude, out of the generosity we give that we've been given to. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give back to you. Thank you, Father, for a wonderful, wonderful church that understands this concept that we have been blessed and to much, whom much has been given, much is required. Father, I thank you that we have a chance to work together to be a blessing in our world. And Father, I pray as we give this, give this offering today, these tithes, these offerings today, that you would use them, help us, God, to be a blessing to our world. In the name of Christ, we pray and we give with enthusiasm and worship. Amen. If our ushers would come as we worship. We sang this song earlier. Amen. As you leave today, hope you go celebrating that fact. Celebrate with generosity, with gratitude, with a heart filled with blessing. And in turn, be a blessing to others. If you're with us for the first time, welcome. Glad that you're here. All the way down on your right is a little room. We'd love to get a little gift and just say thank you and, and get to meet you personally. Everybody, God bless you as you leave. Be a blessing to others. Go in God's peace.